Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Mickey Badlamenti, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we've modified our church schedule to help keep people safe. We currently offer on-site Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. with limited capacity, and we ask that you register ahead of time. Please visit www.rockpoint.org slash register before you join in person. That way we can save your seat. And we also live stream the 11 a.m. service on our YouTube channel. You can always find Rock Point on Facebook or visit the website for more information, including important schedule updates. And while COVID may have affected how we do church, it cannot diminish our efforts together to be the church. We look forward to connecting with you. Enjoy the podcast. Before we get into this series here right now, I want to share with you a piece of news that I came across. And um, I want to show you a picture of a uh, young woman. This is Shatara Sims and her 12-year-old daughter. Shatara lives in Kansas City, Missouri, and... um, not terribly long ago, uh, well, actually, it was a little ways, 2012, actually, so it'd be like eight years ago. Her other daughter uh, was murdered. She is a single mother. She is currently not employed. So recently, for whatever reason, she decided to take a shot at a lottery ticket, and she scored, now not big millions, she scored $100 on this lottery ticket. Single mother, $100, unemployed, a windfall. They had read, though, in the paper of a Kansas City police officer who had been injured in the line of duty. So at the daughter's suggestion, this single unemployed mother called the police and anonymously donated the entire amount to that officer. Now, that's kind of a cool story by itself. But it goes a little bit further. You see, these officers didn't know who it was, but they were so struck by the fact of the generosity involved that um, they put an effort into tracking her down. They are detectives. And so they managed to discover who she was. And here's the story behind this a bit. When her daughter was killed in 2012, the detectives who worked the case were a real support, evidently, to the family. She said this, the detectives were really there for us. They were there for us more than anyone I can imagine. They did things they didn't have to do. They came to see my kids. They did a lot. They were fathers, therapists. They were everything. And so in order to repay some of the hope that these officers had given to her, she took the single mother unemployed, the $100 she managed to have a windfall on, and gave it anonymously to this officer that was injured. As I said, the detectives being detectives did track her down. And if that was the end of the story, that would be good. But once they learned her identity, the officers started a GoFundMe campaign. Hundreds of people heard about this. As of last week, Shatara has $60,000 that has been given by people who have been struck by her generosity. Not all the stories you're hearing, guys, are bad stories. 
There are people that give graciously and freely, and there's others that recognize that. And um, that has absolutely nothing to do with the message whatsoever today. But it is something of, I think, that we need to be tracking those things that are of good report and that are encouraging. And this is just part of that conversation. So I wanted to have you have that. Now, before we dive in today, uh, let's just take a moment. And uh, I've been instructed by, not instructed, I was given the suggestion by one of our people a couple of weeks ago that we should still be praying over offering. And so we're going to do that. Uh, that's available uh, at the Information Center if you want to drop something off or online. But So Father, before we begin this examination today, we thank you for the reminder of, of people's grace and thoughtfulness and generosity in the midst of difficult situations. And Lord, we recognize everything we have is from you, and so we're grateful for that. And so Lord, I ask right now that you'd bless those who give, um, that you'd bless the gift as well, and that you'd uh, multiply it for your usages, Lord, as it's applied to people's needs and situations and your gospel. Guide us in this conversation today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. For those that are present in the room, hello. Good. It's hard to see, uh, you know, your smiles or not. I can only go by whether your arms are crossed or whether you're being distant with me in one way or the other. Um, we are in a study on the book of Psalms. This is the 10th one in this series. We are going to conclude the series. Well, well, think of it. It's 10. That only leaves 140 more to go. Okay. Um, we're going to actually conclude this series next week. And, uh, and then we have, uh, Mickey's going to be sharing a bit, uh, Rick Camiso is going to be sharing with us, uh, also we're going to be having Alicia Wood, one of our old friends, as well as Abdu Murray, and then Bishop Harris will be joining us before we have our fall launch, which will take a very different look this time around. This is actually a short psalm we're going to be looking at today, it's the 13th psalm. And um, there's a few aspects about this, first of all I want to kind of set up for you. There is a Christian almost a discipline, you could call, that's referred to as laments or lamenting. You know, when we feel blessed and everything's going really well, we turn to God in praise and thanksgiving. But, but what happens when we experience like the total opposite of that? What happens when we're overcome by the presence of chaos and brokenness, suffering, death, illness? Something that gives us a sharp sense of our of our human vulnerability. Where do we go with that? Well, in the same way we take praise and honor towards God, we should take those things also to God. And this methodology of laments or lamentation, in fact, there's an entire book of the Bible given to that called Lamentations. And someone described at one time that laments are kind of like a loud religious ouch. That we're just having a sense of of the pain. And we find that almost all these laments, especially through the Psalms, um, are addressed, and this is very, very important, they're addressed directly to God, that we're lamenting to God about some situation that we find ourselves in. Um, I'm at the end of my rope. I, I can't hold on much longer. I don't understand what's going on. It, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, these are not requests for information, they are cries of pain, and they're legitimate. Uh, we sometimes sit here and say, well, if we're crying out in this way, if we're not overcoming the situation, if we're not kind of talking and walking our way through it, that somehow this is um, uh, a wrong thing. Doubt is not opposed to faith. 
Despair is. But not doubt. Not questions. Lament and lamenting before God, which we find through many of the Psalms, including the one we're going to examine here today, is not a failure of faith. It's actually an act of faith. Why do I say it's an act of faith? Because when we're crying out in these lamenting fashions, they're not just venting. and It's specifically to God. And so there's an act of faith that there's somebody on the other end of what's going on. So you need to have that kind of a framework as we examine the 13th Psalm. Again, a very brief psalm. Um, and I, I think there's a f- refrain you're going to pick up in the first two verses that I'm going to ask you to respond on, okay? So let's start with the first verse. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Verse 2 says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Are you picking up the theme? If you haven't picked up the theme, then let me help you with this. How long, Lord, how long will you hide your face? How long must I wrestle with thoughts? How long is my enemy triumph? What are the two words that are repeated over and over in this? How long? Okay? So you had an extra couple hours of sleep. You're much sharper than the first service group, all right? How long? This phrase of how long that's a lament. How long am I going to endure this? How long will this continue? There's this sense of, 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 if not despair, at least questioning. Now, a lot of us have had to wait for different things. You ever go to the DMV, you're waiting forever. You know, they have those little numbers that crawl on the screen, and it's like mine never, I feel like I'm playing the lottery every time I walk in there, and my number never hits. And I'm stuck there for an hour or two. During this entire environment that we're part of right now, long lines have become more increasingly part of what's happening as everything becomes a lot more complex. And we realize this waiting game. In the same way, David, who is writing this, and there's been some discussion, some, some people want to offer up the idea that, that David was talking about this at a time when, um, when he was running from Absalom, but we have no indication that that's in fact the case. It, it seems rather that this is just one of those situations that he dealt with because he dealt with many times where he felt this kind of pressure, this kind of, 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 of attack or, or, or feeling. And so let's take it apart. How long will you forget me forever? Now let me ask you this. Is it possible for God to forget anything? Yes or no? No. David, who knew God would have known that, correct? So where does he get off sitting here and saying, will you forget me forever? He knew that wasn't true. So why is he expressing things this way? How long, Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Here's part of what's taking place here. Obviously, God had not forgotten him. It was an impossibility. But is it possible that David felt that way? Have you ever had a situation that you've been in where you knew, without a doubt, the facts of the situation, but you felt totally different about it? 
We have such strong feelings and emotions that at times they shape our reality. Now, feelings are good. We are given feelings by God. joy, laughter, sorrow, all those things are, are, are things that God has given us so that we can feel, and we shouldn't ignore feelings. People who ignore feelings and think that relationship to God is some cold transaction of the intellect are not understanding the fullness of who we are in God. Or our feelings say to us, shape the reality around us. And that's a problem. When you let your feelings determine the reality Instead of the facts that are going on, this is happening a lot in our society today. We're hearing more stories than we are factual data, more impressions of what's being happening and rampant emotions out of control than we are a reality of what's taking place. Many of us, all of us have been affected by this whole situation right now. If you had told me six months ago we'd be sitting here in this kind of a service with people masked up, I would, I would think you were having some kind of weird nightmare. This has impacts upon us in ways that we may not even be able to fully comprehend. There's a, even if we're socialized, there's a sense of stress that comes with this. There can be a sense of isolation. There can be all sorts of different emotions that can come into play. And, and those emotions, those feelings can overwhelm us. David was in part processing this. He knew otherwise but he felt like God had abandoned him or felt like there was a difference. His emotions weren't in line. How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He goes on and says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? I know otherwise, but I'm, I'm having to wrestle with it because my emotions are invading my thoughts and, and are reshaping those. How long do I have to wrestle with these thoughts? And day after day have this sorrow, this emotion in my heart. And then he goes to this point, how long will my enemy triumph over me? This feeling of defeat. The third and fourth verse says, look at me and answer me, my, my God. Give light to my eyes. Kind of a, if you've ever tried to read something, for those of you who have difficulty reading increasingly, in the low lighting it's hard, but if you put a, a bright light, suddenly you can see everything. And so he's sitting here saying, give light to my eyes. Give me an understanding of this. I don't get this. Why is this happening? Why do you seem so distant from me? Why are my enemies triumphing? How long are you going to forget me? How long are you going to hide? How long do I wrestle these thoughts? How long is there going to be a triumph of an enemy? Help me to understand this. Give me some degree of hope or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I've overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. Do you know the, 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 the only thing worse than having an enemy defeat you is having them do a little victory dance on your head afterwards. The only thing worse than losing a situation or circumstance is having the person boast about it, post about it, write up the whole thing about how they trashed you, how they dominated you, how they won and how they destroyed you. There's something particularly humiliating. It's like reliving it over and over again. And he's sitting here and saying, my enemies are going to say this. And I just, just when is this going to end? He's lamenting. Lamenting is, is, as I said, a a thing that's been through Christianity for a long time. You look at Psalm 22. It's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar to you guys? Who who says that at a famous point in history? Jesus Christ did his crucifixion. But that was a New Testament. So, So what was he doing? He was quoting 
the Old Testament. He was quoting a psalm. Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you think God actually had forsaken him? Do you think he thought he was? No, again, it was that lament, that expression of the heart. There's such an intense sense of emotion, intense sense of pain that he's crying out and quoting one of the Psalms. Mark chapter 9, verse 24, uh, Jesus has a, a, a little boy that uh, has been brought to him and the, and the father is, is bringing him for, for healing and, and Jesus is kind of challenging him. And the father's response is, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8, we're hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not despair. We're confused. We're not sure on things. Are all these passages are talking about emotions or confusion or, or, or pressure of some type, but not in despair, not in total unbelief, not in, 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 a, in, a, in a failure to grasp fully what's happening, but these things are kind of overwhelming us. And there's a depression that can come upon us in those moments. Spiritual depression can come from a couple of angles. It can come from, from a temperament that might be inclined to depression. Some of us are oriented that way. Some of us aren't. Some of you have just never had a down day in your life and you are incredibly annoying to the rest of us. But there are some that are inclined even more so towards that and it's part of our nature. And, and some of the greatest people in history have had that. Abraham Lincoln and other great leaders have struggled with that at times. And there's certain things that are forged in that if it doesn't overwhelm you. Illness can drain physical strength. There's things that we're feeling great about when we're physically fine, but when we're sick, just get a little bit sick and suddenly the whole world looks dark to us suddenly as it drains the energy out of us. That can lead to depression. Exhaustion. That leaves us very open to depression. In these past season of time, I've been exhausted about being exhausted. The letdown after some great effort that we've done, some great success story, some great achievement. We've had people that have gone on missions trips and built the whole time up to that, and then when it's finished, they come back and there's this letdown, or you arranged a party or a wedding or whatever the gathering might be, Christmas sometimes, and the holidays, we're all built up to it, and then when it's done, there's this kind of letdown, depression that comes after a great effort. And then sometimes there's that pressure that comes from an enemy, from someone that is going to attack us. Sometimes it's an actual individual that critiques us or shreds us. But any of those things ultimately come to an enemy that hates all of mankind and wants to see mankind destroyed. All these kings can swirl together and, and drive into a Davidic screaming out of, how long do I have to deal with this? How long am I going to feel sorry? How long do I wrestle with my thoughts? This doubt or questioning is not opposed to faith. Utter despair is, but not this. Lament is not a failure of faith. It's an act of faith because lament and what David's doing here speaks to the existence of God or he wouldn't have been taking it to God. In a minute's time, I want to show you a, a, a little bit of a video here to help you put this in context as we begin to wrap this down a bit. These verses that we've just read, two-thirds of this lamenting psalm, this wrestling, this, this need for understanding, this sense of depression and assault, if, if this was where this psalm ended, 
this would be a pretty dark and difficult conversation. And if you let your feelings dictate your reality, that's where you stay. But if you can let your faith rise up in the midst of your doubts, in the midst of the depression that is present, in the midst of whatever darkness comes into play, then the narrative can change. As this psalm is now read to you, I want you to see if you can discern, I've tried to make it as easy as possible, and grasp the change. The 13th psalm. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. David, in the midst of the darkness of his emotions, in the, in the sense of, of doubt even, or depression that he's struggling with, Somewhere as he's walking through all these things, his awareness of the very nature of who God is invades his thinking. One writer has referred to this psalm as because of the how longs, the four how longs, how long, how long, how long, how long, he's referred to it as the howling. The howling psalm. Someone who in their pain and in their darkness is just howling before God for relief and for when these things are going to end. But the very question says something to us. The very question of how long implies that there is an end. That there is a point in time when these things will stop. Somewhere, David's understanding and relationship with God never leads him to despair. He takes his doubt and his depression and he cries it out to God. When we struggle with things, I don't know about you, but I will vent. Anybody ever vent to somebody else? If you haven't, you're weird. When I vent, I do not grab a stranger off the street. I would terrify them. I do not grab someone who is in opposition to me. I don't grab someone who I know has no respect or regard for my life at all. I turn to someone I trust. Because when I'm venting, I'm vulnerable. 
And I'm trusting that that person is not going to misperceive me or misuse that. So I turn to someone I know loves me. I'll turn to someone who I know is a trusted friend and confidant. And I howl sometimes. Can you believe this is happening? How long are these idiots going to do this or that? How long is this or that? And I vent. Or to put it in more biblical terms, I lament. When will this be over? When will it end? David turned to the person he trusted most. He took all his doubts, all his depression, all his hurt, all his frustration, all his anger, and he pours it out before God. And that itself is an act of faith to believe there's someone on the other end even when I do not feel it. And that they hear me. And as a result of that, David then says, despite my emotions, despite everything I think and feel and experienced, I trust in your unfailing love, in your character, God. Your unfailing love is part of who you are. And as a result, my heart, in the midst of everything else, I choose to redirect my emotion and I choose to rejoice in your salvation, even if I don't see it yet. And then the sixth verse, he resolves out and says, I will, not I might or I'll try, but I will. I will. How long, Lord? How long do I wrestle? How long do enemies seem to triumph? How long my thoughts and my emotions, how long will I feel the lack of your presence? But I trust you. And so I will sing the Lord's praise. For as I reflect upon his character and nature, He is only ever truly been good to me. Others, not so much. But he, always his love is unfailing. So as we walk through this season, guys, lament. Turn to a trusted source. Go beyond the emotions that you feel. And as you pour out all those doubts, as you pour out all that anger, as you pour out all that hurt, eventually come around and lean into his character and choose to praise. How long? I don't know. This stuff, this will end. This will end. Father, this morning, we take this moment now to come to you in praise and worship. And I ask God that you would literally inhabit these praises with your spirit. Especially for those who are struggling here today, whether present in the building, the atrium, in the sanctuary, or sitting at home for whatever reason now, God, the 
that you would inhabit our praises with your Holy Spirit. That we'd have the confidence of our salvation in you. We thank you, God. And we approach you this morning as a people. In Jesus' name.